0: Welcome to the show, I'm Jackie Simmons. I'm the host of the Suicide Prevention Show and we are waking up the world. And today we are waking up the world on this idea that while we live in a very negatively focused world, we live in a very negatively focused media, we have a lot of that ne- and part of that is naturally occurring in our brain, natural negative bias, but for our kids, they need something more from us. They need for us to help them shift from their own negative world to a positive world. And to help us do that is my friend, Elizabeth Stead. So please help me welcome Elizabeth to the studio. Yeah, a little magic here. Hmm, Elizabeth, can you unmute? Yeah,
1: I'm here. What I'm not seeing is how to- um,
0: How to turn the camera on?
1: Yeah, I'm not seeing an un-there with- Okay, there we go.
0: Ah, hey.
1: So happy to be here, Jackie. You're so many hours into this event and you're still have so much energy. I'm so (laughs) proud of you.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you, Elizabeth. I am super excited to see you and very grateful that you were able to make the time to come on the show.
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: So this is going to be a lot of fun because we have a journey to go on together. And I'm just going to go straight into it if that's okay. Sure. What's the problem with leaving our kids where they are? You know, what's the problem?
1: We are so focused on the product and the outcome of who we want our kids to be. We are forgetting to see and hear and acknowledge and be present with who they are right now.
0: Oh, okay. So that was- not the answer you
1: expected, huh?
0: No, nah, no, not at all. Okay, so leaving our kids where we're focused on who, who we want them to grow up and become. Okay, that, that's not something I ever did. Um, And actually, I didn't do that very much, but I had my other ways of disconnecting from who they were in the moment. And I think that that's really what you were saying, is that we're disconnected from who our kids are right now.
1: And we're not helping them see um, that they are appreciated for who they are right now and the gifts that they bring right now today and that they are capable in a wide variety of ways not just the grade on the paper
0: okay so we're going to give everybody some background and i'm going to ask if you can get your microphone a little closer to you sure or, or turn oh actually we're going to do a tech check hold please so this focus for you how did it come about the focus of kids and this needing to see them in the present moment where did that come from
1: Well, I mean, I've spent my entire life being present with kids and trying to figure out what it is that they need to thrive. And as a classroom teacher, of course, you're driven by your curriculum and by the things that you're trying to achieve. But you know that that doesn't happen until you're present with a kid that you're actually teaching. So if you're just teaching, you know, random students' curriculum, You've got this enormous filter between you. But when I come in and I start teaching Jackie, and I start seeing who Jackie is, and what qualities Jackie brings to the table to make our classroom an exciting place to be, then I lower that shield. And now I can invite you along to
0: the curriculum. All right, so most curriculums, and and this is really key because I think that it is important, not just in the educational world, and that's why we're we're taking this into the really personal, but being able to help people drop the shield is a useful skill at any age, in any environment. And I love that you are bringing this out into the public eye because not everyone has that ability to see other people and to invite them in to this very special conversation and now how does inviting a kid where they can actually come into engaging with the curriculum how does that help them shift from negative to positive if all we're
1: focused on is the checklist and the outcome then They see where they are not. They see their lack. Mm -hmm. If, on the other hand, I focus on who you are right now, and I help you see that those qualities, which may be the most difficult for others right now, and may be the most challenging for your parents or your teachers right now, those are your gifts. Ah. Those are your strengths. Those are what you bring to the table. So when we focus on that, then I'm building you up for your journey. And then the curriculum becomes a sort of a natural course. It's it, it, curriculum or the goal or the whatever, whatever it needs to be, right? The outcome is already more assured because... I am helping you see who you are right now and helping you honor and treasure
0: who you are right now. All right, Elizabeth, we're going to go into the way back machine. Way back before you knew this, what were you doing? What was your life like?
1: (sighs) Well, I was the pleaser. I was, you know, whatever I was doing, whether I was being a student or I was a camp counselor or a teacher, um, there was a big part of me that was the pleaser and was trying to get every, keep everybody happy, um, but in a not genuine or way, right? In a way that was to secure my own safety and security, not in a way that was from a place of I am safe and secure, so I have all this extra energy and. Expansiveness, to to reach out and include you in that.
0: Got it. So the shift for you occurred when? I mean, you take us on the journey. Ah, uh,
1: it occurred gradually. Mm-hmm. Right. It occurred gradually. Um, it's funny when you asked that question. A, a moment which popped into my head was, so you know, middle schoolers are in the thick of being judgmental hmm. and the thick of, you know, you're in, you're out, you're right, you're wrong. And I was an outsider who was very judgmental of the way that other kids were being or were treating each other or what they were doing. And full of that is not a nice person, right? It was very black and white. And then uh, I remember senior year we were about to graduate and all the seniors went on a picnic and I ended up at a table with girls that I had been in school with since I was in kindergarten but these were girls who I had painted in seventh and eighth grade with the you're not a nice person brush And, you know, high school, we went from a smaller middle school to a bigger high school. So in high school, I had kind of not dealt with them and not had to interact with them. And we're standing around senior year and we're talking and I have this moment of like, oh, wow, you hated middle school too? You you recognized that you were at your nastiest, most awful self in middle school too? And look what a wonderful, nice, fun, kind person you are
0: and how, what a nice time we're having. Isn't that a great perspective? It's a great perspective. So it took until the senior picnic of high school. It, that, that was sort of a big aha moment,
1: right? Yeah. I had dealt with high school by going and making friends with kids from other middle schools, not from the one, you know, not from the K-8 that I had gone through, but from the other ones feeding in. And that had given me a little space, which was good, to, to be able to kind of reinvent myself and to step forward into the world in a perhaps more gracious way than I had been in seventh and eighth grade and all through seventh and eighth grade my mom kept telling me elizabeth you've got to give people a chance (laughs) you know like yeah you just got it you gotta give them a chance and uh so i took what she said to heart but i wasn't mature enough to do it in the present situation with my peers. So when I went to high school and I met other kids, I was able to apply more of that. And by senior year, I had matured enough to look at look at my classmates and to go like, oh, yes, they, they really are lovely people too, with a whole lot to offer the world. And they were in the middle of their own middle school angst and uh, nobody nobody should be judged by who they are in middle school
0: <laughs> middle school aunts um, or yeah I, and and so the the whole middle school experience i agree no and i don't think any parent should be judged by who we are when our kids are in middle school <laughs> probably not I'm just, yeah i'm just saying because um it's a challenging time for everybody to be involved in yeah The beauty of the conversation about how do we help our kids go from negative to positive is really, oh my God, it's like such a parental burden to be responsible for this. And yet there's not anybody else if we look around as parents. The other influences, maybe there's more help out there than I know about. But so this is powerful for me. I felt so alone as a parent Mm. and I don't know if anybody else has had that experience. Feel free to pop it in the chat if you have. But when it comes to helping our kids go from negative to positive, Elizabeth, where does somebody start?
1: How do we do that?
0: Okay. How do I do that?
1: How do we do that? All right, well, the first place is for us to do our own shift. and
0: um, I love shift work.
1: (laughs) If we can do that for ourselves, that's, that's the best. That really is, right? If we can really see and acknowledge ourselves, so everybody wants to be seen and heard and acknowledged. But sometimes, because we're that elephant in the middle of the room not being seen or heard, we are so unused to it that we can't even truly see ourselves. So any work at all that we can do to know ourselves and to be honest with ourselves and then to do this exercise with ourselves that you then can also do with your kids. And that's it. You take this, take the, here, I have an exercise for you. So Jackie, I want you to think. And you can think with your now self, but if you're so mature that it doesn't work now, I want you to go back and think of your younger self, okay?
0: All right, everybody listen up. Take away back machine. I am too blank. Oh, well, that's not hard. Okay, I can answer that question. Yeah. Okay.
1: You can also say it as I am not blank enough.
0: Okay, so either I am not blank enough or I am too
1: yeah okay so what if you don't mind sharing
0: what 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 were the words that came up okay so i can fit it into both yeah i'm not patient enough and i'm too prone to interrupt people okay yeah that's what happens on the summit sometimes i'm not patient enough for people to complete a thought and i can be too prone to interrupt someone yeah okay so
1: Now we've got this idea, you're impatient, right? And maybe, maybe your mother told you, right? Maybe your mother always said to you, Jackie, you are so impatient. (sighs) Jackie, you've got to stop being impatient. Or as my great grandmother used to say to my mother, Susie, your impatience is gonna get you in trouble someday. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now we wanna turn that around, right? What is the beauty of being impatient? I get more done than most
0: people. Exactly, you get more (laughs) done than most people. What else? Uh, Let's see, the beauty of being impatient. I don't wait for other people to fix problems. You're there, you're jumping in. You're yeah. doing it, right? You get more done. You do it sooner. Now, yeah. we'll um, let's see. What else uh, about being impatient? Um, I'm not coming up with another positive. I know it can piss people you off.
1: settle for the status quo. Okay, that's look at, yeah. look at what you're doing here. Look at what you've done, right?
0: You're no, not- I don't, settle, I don't settle for the status quo.
1: You're not caught in the quagmire, right? You are out there going, no, something has to be done and it has to be done today and I'm gonna do it.
0: Yeah, and it's not perfect, but it gets started. Oh my God. I get things started.
1: What a gift, what a gift, what a gift you are to the world, Jackie Simmons.
0: (laughs) Wow, thank you, Elizabeth. Yeah. That's a pretty amazing exercise that any parent can do with a kid. that's really, really cool. Something so simple and obvious. I mean, you know, this is amazing, Elizabeth, I love this. So cool, so does this exercise have a name? (laughs) Nope. (laughs) All right. So by the end of the session, it will have a name. We're, we're gonna, uh, we're going to figure know. this out. I, so we can get I suggestions. So to call it the, I'm not good enough. Yeah. Um, and and so we'll we'll see what comes up in the chat, and we'll see. What right. comes we'll up In we'll our conversation, be, I, I would love
1: a name for this. Yeah. I would love. That's, I would love. A really yeah. cool exercise. Yeah. Oh, and and that. the moment that I had for this. Yeah. Was when my daughter, my two-year-old, my two and a half-year-old was driving me absolutely nuts, right? All, like all sheer, everything was like, just gonna do it. And we were in the park and I was ready to cry. I was like, God, she is so stubborn. And my friend looked at me, she's like, Elizabeth, she gets A-plus in persistence. (laughs) And I thought, A-plus in persistence. My daughter gets A-plus in persistence. And I started saying to her, I love how persistent you are. It is so fabulous that you are so persistent. I know that persistence is going to serve you well. It might be driving me completely nuts right now, but I am so glad that you are a persistent person. (laughs) And that, like, loosened something in my heart. It allowed me to be present with her in a way that said, yeah, a stubbornness in a two-year-old is hard on moms, but it is an awesome quality to bring out into the world. Mm. Right. That that drive that focus that I'm going to figure this out. She's she's a um, in grad school. She's a neuroscientist, right? <laughs> so she is stubbornly looking for answers. Got it. Doggedly, determinedly, persistently
0: looking for answers. Wow! And it took a playground conversation to get yeah. this ball rolling.
1: Yeah. I'm so lucky. I'm so lucky that I had it when she was two.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So as you're on this journey, she was two, you were a young mom. Where else did this show up for you?
1: Well, I mean, this exercise is one that I would bring to my students. And, you know, fascinating and a little sad, Jackie, is that when you ask a seventh or eighth grader, what are you too much of? Or what are you not enough of? um, They they fill that out with no problem. And the list can be long. And honestly, the conversation that we have in class that says, you know, wait a minute, you're not slow. You're thoughtful. You're careful. You're measured. You're detail oriented. You're not bossy. You're a visionary. You're a leader. You take charge, right? Even as 12 and 13 year olds, it was so hard for them to accept the positive label. Already, it's so ingrained in them. Mm -hmm. I am too bossy. I'm too slow. I'm not quick enough.
0: I'm not, yeah. I'm not, yeah. By seventh or eighth grade, they've made the decision about who they are and they bought into, they've accepted some labels that limit them. Yeah. Now, I'm a firm believer that labels belong on pickle jars, not on people. And yet we, we live in a world of labeling and judging. And so knowing what you know now about how ingrained this can be and the contrast, from you know, where you were working with your kid at two with what was driving you crazy, but being able to give to your daughter the positive side of it, where can a parent start with, I mean, I, now, I get when they start, they start now. Yes, now. Yeah. So for what else does a parent need to know before they try to take this exercise to their kids?
1: Well, to begin with, they probably don't even need to take it to their kids, right? I didn't take it to my kid. (laughs) Um, Whatever quality or characteristic you are either most irritated by or you have the most fear around.
0: Ooh, okay, I'm writing that down. The quality or characteristic in my kid that I have the most fear around or that I am most irritated by. Yeah. I know I said it the opposite way, but that's the way my brain worked. Okay. So fear and irritation are my keys. Okay. So I've got something that irritates me about my kid. What do I do now? Now I do what we just did. Now I ask the question
1: What is the gift?
0: <sighs>
1: let's say. In being a sensitive boy,
0: what right? In our society,
1: we tend to we tend to be have not a lot of fear, right? Yeah. We're afraid of our sensitive boys, or for our sensitive boys.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you, you, this was brought home to me by someone who did the studies. And sensitive boys are significantly more at risk of taking their own lives. I mean, the numbers are staggering. So this is quite a group. So if someone has a sensitive son.
1: Yeah. So we want to ask ourselves first, what's the gift, right? What is the gift? The gift is they're more empathetic. They're more aware. They're more connected and tuned in and looking at the whole system. They are often more observant. They are often deeper thinkers. They think before they act, right? They are often good perspective takers.
0: <laughs> What's a perspective taker?
1: A perspective taker is somebody who can stand in the other person's shoe. Ah, thank you. Okay, cool. Right? A person who, who, um so when they are mature enough, right? Because a, a young pres- sensitive boy is going to be is going to first and foremost feel the hurt.
0: Hmm.
1: Right. But if you bring forward that gift of if, you know, imagine why that person is at the, you know, if somebody's hurting you, why are they hurting you? What's going on with them that they're hurting you, right? That, that boy is much quicker, usually, much eat more easily trained to be able to step into that shoes and to come up with an answer of like, maybe he had a bad day, or maybe his mom yelled at him this morning, or you know maybe he's embarrassed because he didn't have his homework, right? So sensitive kids are usually because they are more in tune with their own feelings and have feeling more things, more deeply, as you ask them to imagine what somebody else might be thinking or feeling, they usually are stronger at that perspective taking when, when they have been fully honored and seen and heard and acknowledged for their own hurt and their own feelings.
0: Yeah, okay, got it. So let's not take them into the other person's shoes until we've dealt with what's happening in theirs. Right,
1: right. Once I have fully acknowledged that what you're feeling and that, yeah, that that was not, that didn't feel good. And that was not a nice thing to say to you and that wasn't a good thing to do. You are right. And I am really sorry. I'm sorry that happened to you. Then we can let it sink in. Right, We can kind of let them do that. And usually in kids, you kind of see a shift. Like there's, there's a loosening, there's a, there's a relaxation. And when that happens, then you can bring your curiosity to the other kid and go, God, I wonder what's happening with him today, that he would say that
0: to you. That piece of patience to wait for the shift To Mm -hmm. just let the process happen once they actually feel heard. That's a pretty amazing process to allow for that to happen. But let's just say your kid's not talking to you. So you don't know what's been going on because that's what often I'm hearing is Mm -hmm. that, you know, my kids don't talk to me. I don't know what's going on in their world from that place of not knowing Where would someone start? Would it still be what they have the fear around and what they're most irritated by? Or is there another path?
1: Well, okay, if you've been fearful, let's just keep using the example of your sensitive boy. Okay. Then it's natural that if you're projecting that fear that they've put up a wall, Right. That's a very natural wall to build up. So first and foremost, now that you've done that shift and you've begun to see what are the, you know, what are the qualities? What are the gifts?
0: um, I got it. And you start
1: seeing where those gifts are showing up and when they are displaying them. Right. Like I can see you've thought about this a lot. You're a deep thinker or. I see you sitting over there thinking, you know, I really appreciate how, how, how much you contemplate things. And, you know, sweetheart, you might not say very much, but when you do, you really demonstrate that you've been observing things closely. You're a good observer. So we wanna build that up first, right? Because that's gonna put chinks in the wall. Ah, that's going to that's going to that's going to bring that down. That's going to develop that choice. Not only are you going to be helping them to own it for themselves, but it's going to be lessening their own defensive fear of there's something in me that my parent doesn't like.
0: There's something in me my parent doesn't approve of. And that's, that's an interesting perspective that there's something in me that my parent doesn't approve of. And this is not about their actions. It's about who they are. It's about their character traits, if you will. Yeah. More than their actions.
1: Well, it shows up as actions, but. Okay.
0: um, I'm trying to to make sure that I've got this clear, because I love this analogy of that my projected fear around something with my kid, they would naturally build walls to defend themselves from it from projected fear. I had never dawned on me that that could be true. It makes perfect sense.
1: Well, we're going to we're going to go fight or flight. Right? Yeah. And a flight is a withdrawal. A flight mm-hmm. is a, is a hiding behind the wall. A fight you're going to know about.
0: <laughs> right? If they're fighting back, it's a little yeah, so so same thing, it's triggered by projected fear.
1: Yeah, it's 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 I don't want I I don't want that.
0: Mm hmm. So why
1: they want to hear the would you, why would you, why would you want to own. I'm I'm too sensitive. I overreact. I'm you know, I'm a crybaby. Why would you want to own that?
0: Got it. So the, these really are the, the character traits and the actions that if the parent is judging them as wrong, then the kid is picking up on I'm being judged as wrong. Yes and a natural response to being judged as wrong is to build a defense. And it could be a wall or it could be an attack depending on which way they go. So uh, at the beginning of the top of the hour, you
1: had your elephant, and you were talking about shooting, Mm -hmm. right? And this is a lot of parents should on their kids a lot, right? Yeah. You shouldn't be so sensitive, right? You shouldn't mm-hmm. be such a crybaby. You should. You should. You know. You. You. You need to roll with the punches. You've got to roll with the punches. You should roll with the punches. You, you should you got
0: to not punch. do what your friends are doing. Yeah. And that that was a, a big thing, you know, um, and it was very ineffective against peer pressure when my kids were young. It it was very ineffective against peer pressure for me to tell my kids that they shouldn't do what their friends were doing. No,
1: no, no, because we, because it is their job at that age to separate and to, and to not be you, Mm -hmm. but to not be you, which is what they have been, right? Because it actually takes a very long time. I mean, in the womb, they are you. Yeah. And, you know, the two, three, four year old years are that first step of individuation and, and, and asserting themselves. Mm-hmm. But there's also a quality in there of learning and realizing like, oh, I'm little, I can't take care of myself. Yeah. And so they kind of settle down into, you know, sort of kindergarten through say fifth grade where kids are usually like pretty pretty settled. And they're still looking to mom and dad, really focusing on mom and dad and they are kind of getting their outer world identity by who mom and dad are. And it takes a lot to separate from that. So um, part of the way that they do it is that they do not flock to their friends because they need a group to be part of, they need to be safe. And so when you say you shouldn't, you shouldn't, you know, and during this time when you need to separate from me because that's your growing up job you shouldn't go flock to them but that's like saying you are supposed to, you know what's your alternative is to be
0: out in the world by yourself entirely and we know that it's not safe to be out in the world alone no so that's really really key here that the naturally occurring separation And the fear that a parent might have of, yeah, I don't want you to do what your friends are doing. I'm afraid of what's going on over here is in conflict and setting the kid up to be in isolation and to go out into the world alone. is the last thing that parents want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. All right. So that's a complex little one to noodle apart. So the good news for me is I don't have any kids in the house anymore. So I can, you know, I can, I can be objective. But for someone who has kids at home, the reality of what do you do? You know, what do you do, Elizabeth, when you really are afraid of who they're hanging out with and what the other kids are doing or not doing?
1: My favorite tool of all, Uh bring curiosity.
0: Okay. Tell me more.
1: You bring curiosity. You say, you've been hanging out a lot with Jordan. Tell me about Jordan. What? Tell me what? You don't have to say he looks like a good guy or he looks like any other kind of guy, right? Because you're running your script in the other part of your brain that's going, he looks like a hoodlum and he's getting in trouble and he does drugs and I don't want to. I'm terrified of you hanging out with him. But you've got to realize your kid started hanging out with him for some reason. Ah. Right? Now, it may be that he sees some quality in Jordan that he actually likes. Maybe Jordan's got bravado or he's got game. And maybe he likes that. Or maybe he feels sorry for Jordan because he's your sensitive kid. And he can see that, you know, Jordan is the kid who's, yeah you, know, you know getting beaten at home and whose whose parents are divorced and whose mom is overworked and so your sensitive child is actually doing such a great job of standing in the other person's shoes that he's attracted to him or maybe jordan was what was left when it came to who can i hang out with and your kid doesn't feel like he has any other choices He doesn't have a way or an entree in because we all know that middle school and teenage too some of these
0: groups can be really clicky darn tight right yeah really clicky and you're hitting on something that i actually lived because i was always the new kid in school sometimes in the middle of a school year Yeah. the legacy of being a military brat and the power of what you're just describing. Um, A lot of the times my friends were the last ones left because everybody else was in a clique, and I was the weird kid. Yeah. I was raised by a single mom back before being raised by a single mom was something common or acceptable. So my friends were often the ones that were left. Yeah. So I hadn't even thought about that in this context. But yeah, finding out what it is of that attracts them without being afraid. Yeah. If you could do that. <laughs> yeah, if you could do that. I'm not so sure I could do that, but it sounded good when I said it. I'm so glad you caught that. Yeah, not, not necessarily so easy. I mean, I, darn near impossible, but maybe we can do it from a place of calmness anyway.
1: Yes, from a place of calmness. And, um, and as I said, Uh, curiosity really is my favorite tool because curiosity is very non-judgmental right Mm -hmm. and when I when actually when I even say that word I immediately get this this sense of spaciousness in front of me and the sort of
0: sense of one it's safe feel i have to feel safe to be curious so if i'm going to allow myself to be curious then i feel safer by definition
1: maybe yeah For i maybe. that's i hadn't thought of it that way but 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 that's a possibility it, it is it's a place of <sighs> like i i feel like this bowl like i'm just just gathering information got like, it i'm not gonna i'm not gonna Take pick up the information and freak out about it right now. I might do that later.
0: Ah, uh, yeah, there <laughs> we go. To,
1: right? I used to I used to say to my daughter about uh, about these issues and, and sort of you know sex education in particular. I was I used to say to her like, Yeah, I was a really late bloomer, so you might be bringing stuff to me which is a really new idea, and it is really shocking to me, and I need some time to get my head around it. He said, so my first reaction might not be ideal, but I promise you, I'm gonna go away and I'm gonna deal with it. Because i am a growing up and I can deal with stuff and I will come back to you. And it's sort of, you know.
0: Giving her a preamble to the conversation. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great preamble. Yeah, I'm aware that you might bring me stuff that I react to. Don't worry, I'll take my reaction and go away and sort it out because I'm a grown-up, yeah. and then I'll come back to you. And that's real, because sex education in this day and age is so different than it was before. Yeah.
1: Well, and there are a lot of new ideas out there, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, I, I remember uh, I had an eighth grader who who came out and he told his mom, and his mom was really upset, and he came to me, and after letting him blow off steam, you know, listening, and I finally said to him, I'm like, would you like a mom's perspective on this? You know, would, you, would that be helpful? And he's like, okay, fine. And I'm like, If your mom is like me, with a full and loving heart, she has imagined what the span of your life is going to be. And she has imagined what your adulthood is going to look like. And because this is what the span of her adulthood has looked like, that is what she's going to imagine for you. And that means she has been imagining you marrying a girl in a church and having some babies and her getting to be a grandmother and making predictions about where you're gonna fit in to whatever career you do and whatever community you're in. And you are now telling her that that is not what's gonna happen, but that you are gonna be a part of something else. But that is a world that she does not know and she cannot imagine. And it's gonna take her a little bit to find out about that world and to reimagine what your life might be. I said, you know, I know your mom and I like your mom and, and I respect your mom. She does not strike me as the kind of person who isn't going to be able to make that shift. And at the same time, <laughs> this is a big shift. You gotta give her just a little time and space. You to have do to do see.
0: that. There's a whole story that would have to be rewritten.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, there's a whole story because that story of what life is going to look like, and it's not even that it's supposed to or that it should. It's like, this is what life looks like. Yeah. yeah, Just got shifted and shattered. Yeah. Your ability to help him understand that that's what was happening for his mom. What happened after that?
1: She came around. She made the shift. They have, I mean, he's, he's part of a, a very close family and um, a very supportive family. And he's, he's a young man and he, is, he is, um, he's thriving. He's, he's an advocate in his community um, and his family is 100% behind him.
0: So helping him understand that it takes time to shift. Yeah. And and that's an important distinction. Elizabeth, I love this conversation, this journey from no matter what's going on with your kid's life, the place that you start is look for the gift. And the other place that you start is with curiosity. And for me, a big aha is recognizing that if there's something about my kid's world that I'm afraid of, that fear is going to trigger a natural defensiveness Mm. in them. Yeah, And I hadn't really thought of expressing it that way that it would either provoke an attack or a withdrawal. Yeah. Yeah, Pretty much one or the other, because we do go to fight or flight. I mean, yes, there's also freeze and faint, but we freeze first, and then we go to fight or flight. Exactly. So, yeah, so so that's really interesting. Um, Tell me about is a wonderful tool. Yes. Especially from a place of calmness. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. So shifting from the negative to the positive, what we have one more that I know is there. And I remember when my kids were growing up that one of the biggest challenges that I had was when both parents were not on the same page. Mm. And it happened really frequently with my second husband. And so he pretty much raised my kids with me. Uh, they were, I think they were like, you know, five, three, and one, you know, you know, six, four, and two when he first came into their lives. And he was in their lives up to the last one graduating high school. So, you know, he, and, and we were often not on the same page. What can a parent do with this that's going to help?
1: Mm, thank you for asking because this is a big one, this does come up all the time. And here's the analogy I like to use. Let's say that, um, let's say we've got the teeter-totter here. Okay, Mm -hmm. there, we'll get it. So you can see it a little bit better, more clearly, right? And you're on one side of the teeter-totter and your parenting partner is on the other side of the teeter-totter. Now, when we don't agree with somebody we want to compensate for the way they are doing things. So if I'm here and I perceive that, let's say I perceive my parenting partner as being a pushover, being you know the good time, the good time dad, right? And so I see him all over here being the good time dad. And so I step out in order to bring in more structure and limits and discipline. And he's sitting over here experiencing me tighten up. And he is afraid that that's going to be too tight and that's not going to be good for the kids. And so he steps back out over here in order to keep things loving and affectionate and in the flow and in the moment. So what happens when we keep stepping away from the center of the teeter totter? It gets wonky. Yeah. And what, what keeps stepping, what happens? Well, eventually one person steps off and the other one crashes to the ground. Yeah. Or one person falls off and the other person crashes to the ground. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of what divorce is for, if the reason for the divorce has to do with not being on the same parenting page. I firmly believe that that's how it's come about. Wow. So, so what's the answer? The answer is when I am feeling... Like he's being too lovey, he's being too loose, he's being too accommodating, he's focusing too much, like there's not enough in this. Is to ask, what's the gift? Uh. What is the gift? Right? He's being too, he shouldn't be such. I'm doing the same thing to him that I would be doing to the kids. So now I want to ask, what's the gift in being loving? What's the gift in going with the flow? What's the gift in being present with your children if it means one more story? Is that really going to ruin your kids? If your kids get one more story, is that really going to ruin them? Mm-hmm. If, you know, if you if you stay fully present while they have their tantrum, is that really like Is that coddling your kid? Are you you making a baby of your kid? No, you're being present with your child's emotions, right? There's There's so much gift there. So now, if this person can look over at their spouse and say, what's the gift in being clear about where the boundary is? What's the gift in having a consistent schedule? and structure and sticking to it. What's the gift in, nope, no screen time during the week? How does that help to build a child's sense of safety and security? How does it build their sense of being in control because they know what's gonna happen and they know where the limit is, right? There are gifts in both parenting styles. Every parent has something, has a gift to bring. So when we fight against it, just like here, I'm going to build my wall. Yeah, the parents are going to dig in more. They're going to get like, no, this is I. This is true. This is this is what's important. But when I come this direction, I don't have to dig in about it. I can be more at ease, and it's that very ease which allows me to be gracious about. Going like you know what i think you're right i think that when we just tell the kids that this is what's for dinner tonight and we're not doing all the short order cooking stuff we do have much more peaceful meals and they they actually seem calmer at dinner
0: so creating a safe space to bring this parenting style into a conversation with your spouse when it's been contentious might be what we have you come back to talk about Uh, you know because we've got one minute to to wrap this up and i want to make sure that everyone understands that your passion for this parenting and you know your your point of power is parenting middle schoolers it extrapolates into every single age group it does. I mean, yeah, you know, it does because and 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 not just in parenting children, but like we, my my partner and I, we kind of co-own a business, not the one that everyone knows me for, but a brick and mortar, and we have very different business management styles, hmm. and so this is a great analogy for me to take into that conversation, to yeah. look for what's in. I might have to stretch a little bit. I'm just saying, I might have to stretch my consciousness to go, what's the gift in his style of business management? But I will figure it out because now I have a clue. Yeah. Now I can look at what I'm afraid of, what I'm irritated by, and I can ask better questions. And Elizabeth, thank you very much for bringing this construct. Now, we're going to get a name for this construct. And the the name is what if? What if the name of this construct is good enough? And and it's almost like not quite there, but it's, it's it. You could call it the the what's the gift game, um, and and that would be more fun. Yeah, that would be see, fun. You can you call it the what's a gift game. Um, that would be a lot more fun. I can see this becoming a card deck and, you know, I, you know the, the what's the gift game? I absolutely think that, that this could be something that you would absolutely turn into something that families could play. You know, I see two decks of cards. I'm two and I'm, you know, not enough and or and four yeah. decks of cards. You know, I'm, I'm afraid around this or, or I'm uh, irritated by it. Yeah. And everybody flips it over and it says, what's the gift? Yeah. So. I love it. Yeah. yeah. There we go. All right. So thank you for bringing the what's a gift game. And we'll be looking for it at a store near you. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> thank you, Elizabeth. You're welcome.